Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we think that marketing strategy should be delivered in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball and Allison Carter, and today we're going to talk about food. I just ate lunch. You didn't tell me we were going to eat. I didn't say we were going to eat. We're going to talk about food. Well, what are we talking about? One of your favorite foods. Just in case you guys don't know, Allison Carter at Roundhead has two addictions. One is to Diet Coke, and she fervently will not give that up. The other one we've managed to dial her back a little bit from, and that is her addiction to Chipotle. They no longer know me on a first-name basis at the 86th Street Chipotle, that's true. But they do still know when you walk in what to serve you. No, they not anymore. They used to, not anymore. <laughs> but Chipotle is... Um, <coughs> Of the fast food options, I think I've always thought of them as a little bit healthier. Well, they're actually in a different category than fast food. They're in this category that's called fast casual, and that would incorporate your Chipotle, your Panera, your Paradise, any of those that would be a step above your McDonald's, your Arby's, your Taco Bell. And that is actually the fastest and indeed, I believe, the only restaurant sector in the United States that's currently seeing growth. Because people are people are dining out more. That is totally happening. Um, but they're also trying to eat a little bit more healthy, which is where some of the changes at, at Chipotle and some of their positioning, I think, is really helping their growth. Well, and the interesting tact that they're taking is they are pretty much, they're, they're single-minded in their marketing. They want millennials, which, of course, is that magical age group, which, depending on who you talk to, is really a 20-year span. Um, but in general, that's going to be anyone who was born from the mid-1980s all the way up to about the year 2000. And so let's talk a little bit about what Chipotle is doing as they're going after this new and very, not new, but this very desirable demographic. Let's talk about what's important to millennials and what is Chipotle doing to sort of tie into that. Well, since I am a proud member of millennial generation, um, in general, according to the research, we tend to be more motivated by causes. We're very passionate about things that matter to us, um, whether that's environmentalism or whether that's LGBT rights or whatever the case may be. We tend to be very passionate, our churches, whatever, very passionate about causes. But we also have this nasty tendency not to be very brand loyal. Um, we're kind of notorious. We'll go wherever strikes our fancy, whatever, you know, with some big exceptions like Apple, we tend to kind of go wherever the wind blows. So that poses some real challenges to marketers. And so Chipotle, I think, has um, done a really good job of identifying something that is relevant to their brand and a cause that millennials can get um, get behind. And this is idea of sustainable food, mm -hmm. um, this idea of wherever possible, antibiotic-free, uh, humane treatment for animals, and, and creating this positioning that um, although at the end product may look like what you get at other casual dining restaurants, the front end, the back end, where this food is coming from is dramatically different. Right, and they've done that really their 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 first actual salvo into uh, marketing, into mainstream mass marketing was a Super Bowl ad 
with a Willie Nelson cover of Coldplay's The Scientist, which is an odd combination, showing kind of big fast food labs and showing kind of how they make things from chemistry, but going back to the start, as the song says, back to the farms, which is what Chipotle is doing. There's hardly any branding in the thing at all. No, you actually, and uh, I understand they actually launched the video and then did the Super yes. Bowl ad, um, you watch this video, and the first thing that struck me, um, and I'm outside of that demographic, is the Willie Nelson voice. As soon as I heard it, I turned to look at what Willie Nelson was singing about, because he is identifiable to my generation. And I don't know how many people of my generation, I could identify him, but I'm not sure how many other people of my generation, particularly the younger end of the millennials, I'm on the older end of the millennials, how many of them knew him, but certainly his voice is distinctive and it conveys that authentic country without being hick-like sensibility they were going for. A simple voice. It was a simple voice, but the other thing with, with Willie Nelson is he... I can see him getting behind some yes. of this, I mean, well, obviously he is, you know, promoting the sustainability, but then it was that interesting combination because he was singing a Coldplay song, yeah. which I would never yeah. have recognized. Uh, but every one of my generation knows that song, whether they like it or not. It's So, so they really did, a, I think, a great job of crossing mm -hmm. over and firing this first salvo that says, you know, our, our cows aren't raised in boxes. Mm -hmm. um, well, but really it was their second video, which was the Fiona Apple cover of Pure Imagination, um, which they actually, I, I don't believe that they played it on TV at all. It's, it's purely, a, it's very long, it's like three or four minutes, um, and it's, it's all like a claymation style, and it's Fiona Apple singing this beautiful song in her haunting voice. And it's a song that most people my age are familiar with because of the Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory movie. But the video is just heartbreaking. It's showing, you know, this guy who works at this big fast food company and they're caring for all, they're shooting, you know, chickens up with antibiotics and they swell up and get big and fat and they're keeping this cow in a little box. So he goes and he starts a farm and he starts making tacos from good, honest ingredients. And it is, um, everything about the video plays into, um, I'm forgetting the literature style, but it, it's what you would say that the Hunger Games is in. This um, dystopian. This dystopian, this yes. factory where he works has this very dystopian feel, but you're looking at it going, but that's really kind of how it's done. It is, but that actually plays into another really interesting part of millennial psychology, we have a feeling that society is trying to put us in a similar assembly line and trying to stamp us out like an industrial product. And in a way that the baby boomer generation really did not to this extent, maybe back in the 60s or 70s, but certainly not since, we've rebelled against that idea of purely being a company product. That's why things like work-life balance are things that come up a lot with millennials. And so not only does it feed into concerns about food, but personal concerns about how we view ourselves. So, jumping off just the conversation about Chipotle for a minute, what lessons are there in their marketing that other companies who are targeting millennials, mm -hmm. who are pursuing um, this, this demographic, what lessons can they learn? How can any business maybe take a little bit from this playbook? You need to market without seeming like you're marketing to them. 
We do not like to be sold. We like to be enticed. We like to be educated. So by providing information that we feel helps us live better lives or helps us be better citizens of the world, you can earn some of that um, evasive loyalty that we're so uh, reluctant to give. I think one of the things also is that you've got to pick a relevant cause. Yes. I, I, you know, um, they, they've been able to tap into something that has a logical connection to what they're actually doing. They're walking the talk. They are. Um, as much as they can, they are walking the talk. But I've always thought it was kind of ironic in the, um, in the, the Scarecrow video. is the second one, the Fiona Apple video. It's called The Scarecrow, because the main character is a scarecrow. I thought it was ironic, because you know, they show this, the, the killer image, the one that just socks you in the feelings, is this sad little cow in this box with this big eyes. But then at the end, they're serving steak tacos. The cow's still dead. That just cracks me up. Well, but it's the quality of the cow's life until he dies. And so he's more delicious when he's happier when he's alive. Well, well but at least he, he uh, whether or not he's more delicious, <laughs> at least he had a, um, a humane life. I know, it just cracks yeah. me up. It, yes, yeah, you, you are going to die either way because they're, you know. Yeah, so for instance, Panera Bread, they do a very similar thing. They donate all of their leftover bread every night to local community charities. When I was back in high school, they used to donate bread to school events. When we did our international fair at school, we would have trays of bread from them. Very generous company. Similar thing. Hunger is their issue. Mm -hmm. So everyone kind of, you know, if you find a logical niche, go for it. But don't try to stretch a connection. No, and I... Um, I, I think they, they've done a good job of walking the talk in a number of different categories. One is certainly how they're actually shopping. And, and a, you know, a, a, a marked contrast, um, you know, you have a company like Walmart um, who, you know, says they're, you know, pro-America and pro-the-American worker and then turns around and keeps all of their employees below 30 hours so they don't have to include them in the benefits package. You know, so you have companies that are making, at one level, good business decisions that show they're walking the talk, and then at another level, find appropriate charities. Their um, Halloween promotion. The Burrito Program. So this year, if you go into their stores dressed in Halloween gear, um, you can get a, a dish for $3, which is Normally they're between six six eighty nine to about eight dollars. So really, um, for moms and kids, this is a great way to take the family, have a little bit of fun before they go out trick or treating. Yep. They're already in costume, inexpensive dinner, and the proceeds are being donated to one of their sustainable um, agricultural foundations. Right. So you get people in the door. You form positive brand associations. You form. You get some fun content. You get good press out of it. They always get press out of it, um, and it just works. Um, let's switch a little bit, because I, I, uh, I did a little research when we decided we were going to talk about them, and I took a look at their Facebook page, and I expected um, a really active mm -hmm. Facebook page, and I sort of got that, but I sort of didn't. What do you mean? Um, when I looked at the number of fans there, well over a million people like their page, but when I looked at their updates, I noticed they update sporadically. Hmm. Um, you know, it might be a week or 10 days in between updates. And I thought that that was unusual mm -hmm. for a restaurant. 
So I went over and I looked at Qdoba, mm -hmm. who superficially plays in the same market. They are the same kind of food, but without the social message, and their food's not nearly as good. <laughs> and um, they have about one-tenth as many fans, mm -hmm. and they update almost every day. But their messaging is all about food and buy and happy people eating their food, where the uh, Chipotle has lots of information on farming and festivals. Mm -hmm. um, and it was such a dramatic difference. And it really, again, reinforced that idea that if you're targeting millennials, they will love you a lot more if you're not selling to them. Exactly. And actually, um, they've taken this, Chipotle has taken this a step farther with a new partnership with the Huffington Post um, that is called Food for Thought. And essentially, that's a, a vertical on Huffington Post. They've got lots of them that's focused on uh, sustainable food, anti-GMO, conscientious eating, that sort of thing. And it's very clearly sponsored by Chipotle. And um, I think on the surface, I think that's it's a good idea. I think it's... Um, may take them a little while to find their voice because I think you looked at it and were not necessarily loving it. I was not impressed with it when I went to the page. And granted, I think it launched like yesterday. Um, so very new, lots of time to work the kinks out. But what I noticed was the branding, in sharp contrast to the Scarecrow video and the Scientist video, the branding was super heavy. Chipotle was at the top. It was all along the right sidebar, including a store locator. Very much a heavier presence. And I felt like all of the articles that were linked, they all felt very preachy and heavy to me. It didn't feel like they were trying to give me impartial information. It felt more like they had an agenda. And as a millennial, that makes me suspicious. When they stop being, you know, fighting against the man and it seems like they've got something that they're trying to push, it starts to make me a little suspicious and turned off. So I think it is, uh, it's a fine line. Um, that if you're going to make this transition from pure marketing, you know, McDonald's um, kind of in your face, um, you know, uh, have a smile, nice day, whatever, and you're going to move towards more messaging, informational, and not necessarily about buy from us, but, you know, quality of life kind of things, that somewhere along the way, you have that urge to mm -hmm. shift back towards marketing, and you got to be careful about that. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring up McDonald's. McDonald's has actually slightly been following Chipotle's lead, and they produced their first ever print ad that did not have the golden arches in it. Wow. It was just a Big Mac, and they decided that at this point, that was an iconic enough image that they did not need the golden arches. So this is actually a, it's very slow, it's a glacial shift, but we are seeing a move away from traditional branding and expecting people to pick up on the brand cues from other non-mark items. So this just, again, proves how important a brand is not just a logo, a brand is everything about who you are. Uh, McDonald's had, uh, and this was in the 80s, it was theme music, um, and I can't remember, but it was recognizable enough that they went from maybe 20 notes down to about five notes. Mm -hmm. And if you heard just those five notes, you immediately knew McDonald's. Well, think of uh, think of NBC, the Peacock. Dun, dun, dun. That's all they need. Three. And so um, 
again, looking at everything about your brand, everything that is who you are that cues someone to go, oh, that looks like you. Mm -hmm. Kind of a funny story because I think people always go, oh, only big brands get that kind of recognition. Mm -hmm. um, we have been teal and blue forever. Mm -hmm. And at one point, another marketing company came into the community, um, changed their logo, and went to the same two colors we were using and began distributing an e-newsletter. And a friend of mine sent it to me and said, when I got this, at first I thought it was you because it's yeah. so recognizable in your colors. Mm -hmm. And so I think as small businesses look at what Chipotle is doing, look at what McDonald's are using, doing, don't think that you have to have this giant budget mm -hmm. and sophisticated marketing to begin to build your business around causes, begin to build your brand identity around colors and themes that become recognizable as you. The other important thing is your brand has to stand for something. So many people make the mistake of saying, what do we sell? We sell burritos. No, you don't sell burritos. You sell a nutritious, nourishing meal that's responsibly sourced that people can feel good about eating, both because of how it is for their bodies and how it is for the environment. So you need to get out of this idea of selling a product and start selling an idea. And it is that idea, I think, that ultimately will build the loyalty and set you apart so that when I'm driving down the street and there's a Qdoba and a Chipotle and a McDonald's and a Panera, that I turn into Chipotle. Absolutely. Well, that's a good place to kind of wrap up today's conversation. If you've enjoyed our conversation about marketing and cause marketing, and you'd like to listen to some of our other programs on marketing, social media, networking, be sure to check out our podcast site, morethanafewwords.com. And if you're interested in inviting Allison or I or both of us to speak to your group, you can find a contact form on the website. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.